Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed. I have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison, one of your hosts. I'm Adam Pranica, another host. <laughs> we should get some more hosts. Yeah, my my intro sort of left it open to the idea yeah. of another host. Who would we bring in? Will Wheaton? Whatever decision we made, people would hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it, I feel like it would either be hated or loved. People have gotten used to us, I think. I met uh, Mark Gagliardi the other day. Uh, Gags of, uh, of we got this. Uh, he was really nice. Yeah, those guys have had Will Wheaton on their show. Was this at the costume party that you attended? Yeah, it what was. was the, what was uh, Mark Gagliardi dressed as? Uh, I didn't ask him i think maybe like a sweeney todd thing or something like that that's tough man when you're at a costume party and and someone is dressed up as something you don't want to ask them who they are right like you like you want the costume to be good enough to have told you itself well here's the thing it it seemed to be a very good costume like it was (laughs) it was like real stuff it wasn't it wasn't the cheapest polyester thing imaginable it wasn't a uh you know a polyester suit with black and white stripes called Juice Demon because they didn't license Beetlejuice. <laughs> it, it was like a real costume. So I feel like that's even more hurtful, you know? Yeah. Like Stuart Wellington from the Flophouse was dressed as a uh, jail inmate, you know? Obvious, obvious costume. Dan McCoy was there. He was dressed as Sherlock Holmes, and he had the the full beard that data rocks and i was like are you data on the holodeck as holmes or are you holmes and he turned and walked away yeah pretty much (laughs) if i hadn't if i hadn't uh you know crowded him into a corner so that i could breathe on him uh uh, that's what it would have been well halloween stuff super timely with this episode (laughs) yeah people are really going to appreciate that should we uh should we get into this and get off this stale ass topic why don't we let's turn it on over to season four episode 12 the wounded and ben this is uh this is the beginning of star trek o'brien a brand new show (laughs) that we didn't know we started last week Enterprise is doing some mapping near the Cardassian sector, and uh, this is the first uh, first time we're hearing about Cardassians. Yeah, if they were so important, why haven't we heard about them until now? Yeah, exactly. Another, uh, much like uh, the last episode we did, there's a lot of retroactive continuity at play in this episode. Yeah. Um, and uh, furthering of the storyline that O'Brien and Keiko never met before they got <laughs> married, because... <laughs> There's an opening scene where O'Brien is like playing with his weird Japanese food and he's like, what the fuck is this stuff? What about, like, and it's supposed to be breakfast, but it's like, you know, I guess her traditional food from Japan and he's like, I don't know, I don't like any of this stuff. I've never even heard of this stuff. What is it? What about bacon and eggs and biscuits and gravy? She's like, 
what is that stuff? I've never heard of that. He's like, really? <laughs> the whole this whole you guys thing. Are, you guys are in your forties. You're not. You're not twenty. You know, this isn't your first time in space. And not only <laughs> you that, live with aliens. This isn't the first time they've had a meal together either. This this whole scene supports the arranged marriage theory because, like, how many breakfasts have they had together before now? Crazy. I'd had breakfast with my wife. 5,000 times before we got married. Also, Ben, like... the That's more days than we were together I'd had that many breakfasts. I feel like you spring the interesting food that you grew up, grew up with trick. Like, that is that is a date seven move. That is a... Totally. That is a... Here's a deep cut for me and my family. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Can you hang? Yeah, why don't you check this out? This isn't a thing you spring on someone after you've married them this feels like a trap o'brien get out (laughs) (laughs) they just got married and all of a sudden he's eating like plankton yeah so yeah i guess i mean i guess the a lot of the episode is sort of about o'brien like coming to terms with the other but they it's this is a very ham-fisted metaphor for that in in the context of his own marriage it just is like so fucking crazy it's not a good way to tell that story because you would hope and assume that in the future like relationships won't be this fraught like yeah why did he marry a woman that he does not know it's the mind boggles yeah it truly boggles (laughs) it is so fucking crazy I mean, and and it's not just that like he doesn't know her. Like, she's from a different culture, and he is so turned off to the idea of experiencing any part of that. Like, my my wife's cultural tradition is very slightly different from mine, and there's like lots of negotiation that went into like how we were going to deal with that in our marriage. You know, I think we're t- as far as storytelling goes. We're two episodes in. I have. No idea why he loves her. And I think yeah. that's really important. Like, all we see are their differences. We see her willingness to leave him at the altar. <laughs> like, what is this about? We love O'Brien because O'Brien's O'Brien. But this decision by him seems awful. He, it seems like he's in hell right now. Yeah. So uh, they're they're mid meal when the ship starts getting bangers dropped on it, and they uh, cut to a, a nice tight shot of O'Brien's face so he can drop the most obvious line in Star Trek history. Something's wrong. <laughs> he's just had breakfast bangers dropped on him. Now he's yeah. he's getting the real thing. Yeah, the uh, captain captain gets on the radio and says, "Everybody, get to your battle stations. Uh, this is not a drill." And it turns out they're being fired on by a Cardassian warship. Cardassian ship preparing to fire again, sir. Increase power to the forward shields. And, uh, and Picard and Worf are talking to each other about how to address this. They're like, well, we're supposed to be... Like, the peace treaties is still a thing, right? And yeah. they both sort of look at each other like, yeah, uh, I can't really explain why we're getting fired upon. And Picard's like, well, we should probably do that thing where we fire back, but don't try to destroy them. 
we fire back <laughs> uh, with the goal of disabling them. Yeah, which uh, is nice when it works and <laughs> happens to work this time. They knock out the uh, the shields on the Cardassian ship, which uh, has the effect of causing them to stand down because they know they'd be they'd be taken out if uh, if they went any further. So I guess we're led to believe that the this Cardassian warship is no match for a ship like the Enterprise, um, which is always like a if you think about like what it would be like to be in a war in space, like wouldn't the abilities of the ships be like super critical to your decision on whether or not or not to go to war in the first place like if 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 the enterprise completely outmatches one of your warships don't you just like not fuck with the federation because they have lots of enterprises (laughs) right yeah like like what's the what's the level of technology here are they like no match for the enterprise but if the hood was there they would be able to go toe-to-toe i don't know there's a lot about this that uh doesn't quite work neatly what's wrong adam you look sort of defeated i don't know you can feel like this is a choice right you you can choose to go along with what they're giving you or or you can just full stop it yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll just. I'll. I'll I'm not. Uh, I'll I'm not criticizing my disbelief. I'm not criticizing your lack of belief suspension at all. Okay. Because it's so easy to do on this show. <laughs> well, uh, the Cardassian gets on screen and he's looking real, real fugly. He's uh he's got like a weird cage around his face, and uh, he's uh just completely drenched in loaf like lots of loaf in all of the wrong places and he and the rest of the cardassians appear to have giraffe necks like really long yeah, they, necks they got long necks with uh with weird with weird uh like veins coming off the side of them big thick veins what an and, interesting um, thing to cast for like <laughs> we need an alien but what we need are are uh are long neck people <laughs> like measure measure your neck from the base to uh to the chin no yeah. no cheating make sure you start at the shoulder yeah when people are measuring for length they uh they often you know take one end of the tape and put it a little little further back on the body than they probably should yeah yeah you got to be honest when we bring you in for casting we'll be able to tell <laughs> when you when we sit you down on that black couch in that nondescript white <laughs> office <laughs> We're going to know. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) the Cardassians are upset because a Federation ship called the Phoenix has been going around blowing up Cardassian transport vessels. And uh, this is Gulma Set, and he's like, listen, like, if if you want to act like we have a treaty, that's fine, but you shouldn't be sending your ships around killing us. So as far as I'm concerned, the treaty is over. And Picard is like, hold your fucking roll, dude. Like, let me get to the bottom of this. I'm going to talk to the boss. Like, give me an hour. And, uh, and which is like, you know, the Cardassian doesn't have much choice on this, right? Like, he's going to get blown out of the sky if Picard feels like he needs to stay and fight. So he's like, all right, you got an hour. And uh, I will and- give you an hour before I allow you to destroy me. 
<laughs> like, great strategy, guys. I will give you one of your Earth hours before <laughs> I am vapor in space. <laughs> so yeah, Picard calls up uh, the uh, the Admiralty. Was this the same guy that we called Admiral Reginald Vell Johnson? It, it was the same. Yeah. Yeah. He really does look like Reginald Vell Johnson. He's great. I love him. Yeah. And he I, really like this was kind of a performance too. Like they gave him more to do. Like they gave him some some emotional stress to sink his actorly teeth into. And he totally police captains him at the end. He you know, he delivers the news that he needs to deliver and then he does that thing where he leans into the FaceTime and he's like, Look, <laughs> look Jean Luc. When you yeah, go to it, when it you go goes to the out of first... focus briefly and then like <laughs> goes back and forth a little bit to find find out a crisp up on his eyes. Yeah. You know when uh, when an admiral calls someone by their first name, it's time to be real. Mm-hmm. And this admiral's like, "Look, Jean Luc, shit is about to get crazy. You're the only guy out there who can solve it. You're welcome to take off your badge and go street justice on this if you have to." Yeah, do what you got to do. We cannot afford a war. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds sort of like the uh, the Federation is in the opposite position of the Enterprise here. Like their their shields are down and they can't. They can't take a hit from the Cardassians. But um, I don't know. The whole timing of this war seems so weird because they say it was like a year ago, but we've been following this ship for like three and a half years now and have never heard about it. Like you would think that the flagship would be involved if the Federation was at war, right? You would think, but if the Enterprise is across town, like in a, in a totally other area... They're, they aren't in the stadium district where these uh, where these Cardassians are. They're like up, yeah. they're uptown. They're in the financial <laughs> district doing their exploration. Yeah, they're more than one subway line away. You know, they would have to transfer, and that's just too much hassle. <laughs> yeah, it's as if the writers were like, "I'm not sure if we can hold a viewer's attention with just this Keiko and O'Brien conflict." <laughs> I think we may, in fact, need to introduce a new alien character. Yeah. So they beam over Gulmaset and uh, a couple of his buddies. And, um... Hey, Ben. This is the... What's that, Adam? Did you notice that one of Gulmaset's buddies was, uh was played by Captain Rice of the Drake. No. Same guy. Dang. This time they covered him up with some meatloaf. Yeah. Which was a good idea. You remember Captain Rice, right? From the... Uh, from the, 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 the Starship the... Lollipop? Yeah. From uh, <laughs> from Dildo Security. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's best buds with Echo Papa 607. That's right. This loaf is... Let's talk about it. I mean... The Cardassians are in very cool uniforms. They like they look like kind of tough, you know, like battle uniforms. And they've got these weird grills around their faces. But the loaf, it just looks sunburnt and fucked up. Like it's it's definitely like you know, like they built on this a lot in later Cardassian episodes. But these guys look look uh, like they just rolled around in some loaf. I think they look great. Like uh like real real solid and and Golmaset, like the lead Cardassian guy, he's got sort of like trucker stash 
a little bit. But it, <laughs> yeah, but, it but the middle part is shaved. The part that's under the nose is gone. But yeah. he's got like like uh, like the parts around his lips continue to grow in kind of a fun yeah. way. Yeah, I think it's the only time I can think of where we see a Cardassian with some facial hair. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. It's a um, good look. It's a good different look. It's not it's not uh it's not one of those throwaway aliens with a little bit of nose <laughs> nose putty. Like this is a real thing. Yeah. So they're off to find the Phoenix and the Phoenix is like pretty far from them and they don't have they don't have any other ships that they can spare. But um there's a lot of kind of tension between Picard and the Cardassians as they, you know, attempt, like, Picard is like, listen, like, we are trying to put your mind at ease, and we're trying to do the right thing about this Starship Phoenix blowing up your ship shit. So, like, I am going to keep you in the loop on on my decision-making process. Like, you are my honored and respected guest. Like, I'm here to preserve the peace. But the their Cardassians are having a very tough time extending trust to the Federation. And this is mimicked in a in a small way by every time Chief O'Brien is around them. Uh, he uh, he like grumbles and looks off in the corner and just is very uncomfortable. Like there's a scene where they leave the room and and Troy's just looking at O'Brien as he like as he like clearly goes through some some personal shit about the Cardassians. He fucking hates them. He hates their guts. This was one of the great uses of Troy, I think, on the series. This this 10 seconds where O'Brien beams on the Cardassians. The Cardassians walk past as Troy escorts them. And as soon as they leave the doorway, Troy looks back at him, like, shocked. Like, oh my god, O'Brien, really? Yeah, I just picked up some hate in your heart, dude. Yeah, and... So often they go uh, they go verbal with shit like this, but but this was like some nice nonverbal character building that was effective and good. It was great, and it was like it's a great moment that you've really they've really had to like build to. You know, you really have to know what Troy is about, yeah, and know what O'Brien is about. Like, and if you look yeah. down at your phone in this moment, you would have missed like a really a really great little moment in the scene in the in the episode. Mm-hmm. It is a guiding principle of a stop beating face. If you can't find it within yourself, to stand up, tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. So the idea is these these Cardassians are going to ride shotgun on this mission they're on, which is to go find the Phoenix and shut down whatever rogue mission they're on. Mm-hmm. Phoenix isn't responding to their hails. They're too far out to really do anything about it. So they got to they gotta beat feet and get out there before... Uh, for Phoenix and their captain does any more damage. Yeah. So they're they're on their way, but they're still like very, very far from the Phoenix. They're like hours and hours away when uh, they start picking up the Phoenix closing in on a Cardassian transport. And um, there's a Cardassian warship nearby and Picard is prevented with the, presented with this Sophie's Choice where he's got to either give the Cardassians the transponder signal for the Phoenix or allow the Phoenix to destroy this civilian transport. And uh, and Picard chooses to to give the Cardassians the Phoenix's 
phone number you know he's like yeah like this this guy is acting outside of the law so you know we got to do whatever we can to stop him and he uh like there's there's a lot of dissent on this on this decision like especially from Worf. Worf is like pretty freaked out that Picard orders him to do this relay the prefix codes of the phoenix to the Cardassian warship sir they will be able to dismantle its shields the phoenix will not have a chance cannot allow Maxwell to ambush that supply ship. I was kind of on Worf's side on this. Were you? I don't know. I mean, it's a tough call. I definitely don't envy Picard having to make it because it's like a whole starship lies in the balance. But uh, it turns out to not make a big difference because the Phoenix winds up destroying both the Cardassian ship and the transport. And, and, uh, Gulmaset is like fucking beside himself. He is so upset about this. The way that they watch this happen is so oddly sanitized, right? They look up on the yeah. viewer and it's like the Pac-Man version of of a video game. Like Yeah, it's, it's very like it's... eight bit sound effects and just like little dots blipping around. Phoenix is firing photon torpedoes. We are told that hundreds of people have died because Gulmaset tells us so, but the only representation of that we see on screen is one dot disappearing. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting bit of uh, of of how they demonstrate this tension. The, around this time, Picard is informed that the only person on board the Enterprise that's ever served with the captain uh, Captain Maxwell of the Phoenix is uh, O'Brien, who used to serve under him on a ship called the Rutledge. And so Picard goes and talks to him, and O'Brien's like, listen, the captain lost his family to the Cardassians, and we were in some, like, some pretty nasty shit together. Like, we went to defend some colony, and there was, it was pretty ugly. Like, they killed a lot of women and children. The, the He's, like, a great captain, but, like, you know, we saw some shit that we can't unsee. And uh, did and you think? Uh, did you think it was wild that O'Brien was Maxwell's tactical officer? I did. What that do you is... have to? How do you get on the tactical to transporter chief career track? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a real backslide, right? It really does. Like, uh, was there a ceremony where they took his sword and broke it over their knee and took a pip off his uniform? He's sort of on that Steven Seagal from Under Siege career track where Steven Seagal (laughs) is the chef on the battleship. Like, like what you want if you're Picard is a Steven Seagal on the transporter detail, right? Like, someone you would never suspect? Yeah, except for, I mean, he's not, he doesn't ever use his uh his hardened battle skills you never see way. him break an arm into a compound fracture yeah if there's like a super soldier beaming up who starts to take out every security officer in the room like you would want o'brien to have a kata that is gonna completely rip this guy apart right and they don't specifically say it but i mean a couple of times o'brien refers to some pretty fucked up shit that he's been through, some pretty fucked up shit that he's seen. And are we to understand that that's the reason why he stopped doing tactical? 
why he chose transporter duty because uh, because the worst thing he'll ever see is a transporter accident. That's interesting. I mean, I feel like a transporter accident could be pretty grisly. I would agree. Like, I'm not sure that's much better. Yeah, I mean, and and the thing about being a, uh, a transporter chief is it's sort of like being being a mover, where like you're never getting credit for all of the transports that go right. Yeah. But you're in big trouble when everyone goes wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like a uh, oh, like you scratched the uh, <laughs> you scratched the armoire that my grandfather gave to my mother. That she gave to me. <laughs> I'm not paying you. You're not you're not getting tipped on this job. <laughs> You know, maybe that's why O'Brien married Keiko. Maybe the end game for him is is working in the arboretum. Maybe he just wants <laughs> to get out of this shit. Yeah, swords to plowshares, man. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but what we're talking about is roughly ten thousand times the amount of character development that O'Brien's actually given. <laughs> well, there is that scene where he goes and like sits down and ten forward with. Uh, the spindlier uh, of the two Cardassian Glens. Yeah, he and, apologizes uh, for a blowout he has in a in a turbo lift earlier, where he's just a real dick to the yeah. two visiting Cardassians. Later on, he runs into one of them at ten forward, and he's like, "Look, bud, sorry about what happened back there, but you got to understand, uh, the first thing I ever killed in my life was one of you people." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it really is, it's a scene that really does a head faint. Like you think that it's about O'Brien kind of turning over a new leaf yeah. and getting getting more uh conciliatory toward these guys and it ends with him storming out of the room <laughs> like coming just short of like dumping his beer on the guy's head and saying, "It's not you I hate, Cardassian. I hate what I became." Because of you. Yeah, real Fucking dark. intense. Do you think he's talking about his marriage, though? Like, <laughs> you made me do this. <laughs> All I want is a fucking good breakfast. I could have married a woman that I'd met before, but now this. <laughs> no oatmeal. Never again. They finally catch up with the Phoenix, and uh, the Phoenix is a Nebula-class ship, which I guess means that it's very similar-looking to a uh, Galaxy-class ship, but it's got this—it's uh, got this huge weapons platform on top of it. It's like—it's like a warship, right? It looks like a Pontiac Fiero. <laughs> you know, it looks like a—it looks like a rear-engine two-seater, like. Uh, like Honda Del Sol type starship. <laughs> Man, those are some two percenters, Adam. <laughs> I don't think so. I think people are going to love those references. Okay, all right. <laughs> if you love those references, uh, be sure to write in to Jordan Jesse Go mm-hmm. at the Maximum Fun Network. Yeah. <laughs> So they beam over uh, Captain Maxwell, and he's just all grins. He's like, hey, Will Riker, boy. Hey, look at that. It's uh, Miles O'Brien, one of the best tactical guys you got in the fleet. Like a uh, man who did not just murder 700 people. Right. He's and, living uh, with it. Yeah, he's like high-fiving, <laughs> giving people back slaps. And uh, he, he maintains this jovial mood until he gets up to Picard's ready room. And he's like... 
hey, John Luke, great to see you, buddy. And Picard's like, why don't you, uh, why don't you sit down? He goes in for a four-step handshake, and Picard's like, no. You're yeah. in detention, pal. Maxwell is is showing up with a pizza and a two liter of Fanta, and Picard is in full Chris Hansen. He's like, "Why don't you have a seat right over here for me?" Picard's like, "Is that Mike's hard lemonade?" <laughs> what uh, what's going on here, buddy? Maxwell's doing that thing that I feel like I have done from time to time, which is like, you know, you're in trouble, but you're playing it off real cool. Like, like, no, uh, what are you talking about? Everything's fine, right? There's no trouble here. Yeah, and this is an interesting scene because Maxwell is very much presented as being from the, like, fact-free community where he's like, yeah, that, like that space station that I blew up, that wasn't a science station. That was a war station. Those transports, they're transporting... They're transporting arms. They're, you know, the Cardassians are getting ready to launch a new attack. This, this peace treaty is bullshit. It is a pretext so that they can rearm themselves and get themselves ready for a new line of attack. And Picard is just like, show me one scrap of evidence. It's like the, you know, anti-immigration people, like saying that immigration is out of control. And then you find out that, you know, illegal Im- immigration has been net zero for the last, like, decade. And you're like, right. what the fuck have you been talking about this entire time, dude? They do a great job of illustrating his his truther thinking, but the part that I was missing was how difficult it would be to go rogue if you're the captain of one of these starships, because in a lot of... In a lot of movies that tell stories like this, you know, like the rogue commander, the rogue ship, yeah. there is the conflict between the crew and its rogue captain. Yeah. And I would have liked just a moment of that, of that conflict, just to see that, like, you know, and instead of that, what you get is the cult of personality that Maxwell cultivates, right? Like, yeah. he is so great to be around that, of course, his crew falls in line behind him. Right. But man, even a moment of a first officer going, uh, like really I would I would say our third our third comic book is gonna be the like hunt for Red October that took place on the Phoenix. Yeah. Where Maxwell is your Ramius and like let's see what what's his first is his first officer down with this? Is his is the rest of his crew in or out? Like, yeah. Like this looks like a big ship. It looks like it's probably got as big a complement as the Enterprise. Maybe a little smaller, but like, they've got as much saucer and as much drive section as the Enterprise. They're just missing a little neck, you know. They've got just as much saucer in the game as anyone. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, what what their conversations were like. You know, was there a uh, was there a secret chef who was a uh, who was a party stooge, you know, spying on all of them. And I get it. Like, it's expensive to shoot another bridge scene uh, to 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 cast an entire other bridge or whatever. Yeah. The only part of the Phoenix we see is Maxwell's ready room. Like, I understand that. But, man, I would have sacrificed breakfast with Keiko and O'Brien for <laughs> two lines of dialogue that, that yeah. illustrate that conflict. It's like literally like he's alone on the ship like that's that's how weird it is but again like this is also in keeping with everything we've seen about how the enterprise operates too every time captain picard gets taken over by an alien 
he is able to take the ship and command it wherever he wants. <laughs> Every time when, when Data's beacon was activated, he stole the ship. These ships are very stealable. <laughs> it's a very... Yeah. Uh, the, They're like the, a 1997 Corolla, you know, yeah. just like the most stealable ship. Yeah, there's a there's an imbalance in like the command structure of how these ships operate that no one seems to learn from. Yeah, this scene ends with Picard sending Maxwell back to his ship, saying like, "I'm I'm not gonna like, I'm not going to compromise your dignity by throwing you in the brig now. Like, you can go." back to your ship and command it as we go back to Starbase and then we'll deal with you. But, you know, the writing is on the wall that Maxwell's probably going to get court-martialed. And they're on their way back when the Phoenix veers off course and goes and uh, starts starts flexing like it's going to destroy another transport uh, from the Cardassians. And this is like uh, another scenario where some stuff from from past canon would have come into play i think like why didn't they wrath of khan the phoenix at this moment like send in the command code and shut it down you know yeah i was with you on that as well and this was a this is another this is a very subtle blip that picard takes note of when he's like hey Worf, what's on that ship and Worf's like i can't really tell like there's a bunch of static it's weird <laughs> yeah it's maxwell's like, uh... like you gotta believe me it's uh it's <laughs> It's full of weapons. It is it's full of on Syrians. Its, it's on its way to Iran. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a this is a post-election episode. We don't even know. We don't even know what what the fuck is going on. We could have been world. shut down by now. Yeah. Jack booted thugs could have come and taken our podcast away. Yeah. That would be how we go out, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a blaze of glory. Not not by cease and desist, by but by. <laughs> New president. <laughs> I heard what you said. <laughs> I am the cutest of all. Lock faces on that vessel. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. So O'Brien's, O'Brien's on the bridge at this point because Picard has brought him there. He's like, look, uh, you know this guy, right? Uh, I don't have anyone on the bridge who can tell me what this guy's thinking. And he's sort of like, does the head thing over his shoulder at Troy. Like, <laughs> like you're the one who can really get inside Maxwell's head. <laughs> is this guy gonna, is this guy gonna throw down on this Cardassian ship? And O'Brien's like, hell yeah. Like yeah. he's a guy who means what he says and does what he means. And, yeah. and O'Brien's like, look, uh, I happen to be privy to some transporter technology that heretofore I have never disclosed, which is that, <laughs> I can beam people through their shields because I know how the shields, uh, like, what is it? Like, there's some sort of shield regeneration that happens yeah, every certain amount of time. Cycle. Yeah, and, yeah. And he's like, look, uh, I can beam myself through that half a second blip and get on that ship. And Picard's like, you th- if you think you could talk him down, go ahead and do it. So he does. Yeah. yeah, Picard is looking for a way to not have to blow up a very valuable piece of federation material here and uh even though he has the ability to do that by by right. hitting their email password right so uh o'brien comes through like there's a very intense scene where he talks maxwell off the ledge and uh and uh they 
it's like it felt like the end of like an off-Broadway play a little bit like they uh they sort of you know admit that they're they have some some undealt with frailties surrounding their experiences in the war and Maxwell has been sort of still at war despite the fact that it's over and uh he has that line that goes like uh I'm not going to win this one am I yeah I feel like that's a resting thought for me more often than not (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like I really felt Maxwell at that moment yeah every time my wife gets mad at me (laughs) pretty much goes through my head (laughs) you just wish someone would disarm you in that moment yeah, I wish somebody would beam through the shields. <laughs> Give me a heart-to-heart, you know? Yeah, sing some songs sing, with me. Sing a couple of songs. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, if I could just have a, a dark night of the soul before it all ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they put Maxwell This in the has pokey. been Star Trek Relationship Cast. <laughs> <laughs> they put Maxwell in the pokey, and they uh, they... They turn him around and head back, the Cardassian ship remaining unblowed up. And um, and Picard has a, a final McLaughlin group. Issue one! With Gulmaset in, uh, in the conference room where he's like, listen, like, we, we stopped a disaster here, and I think we both really want peace, but I think we also both know that Maxwell wasn't totally crazy about what he was saying. Like those ships definitely were concealing arms movements and that science station was not in a place where anybody has any science to do. Like you, you guys were up to some shit and now we know that and I'm glad we've averted a war, but now we also are going to have to keep our eyes on you because that was not cool. Would the conflict in the story have been as strong if Maxwell didn't have the past with the Cardassians? Because I feel like they kicked off the episode with Maxwell's one of the great captains, like yeah. in the fleet. O'Brien's like, I've had the good fortune of serving with two of the best. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't like it? It shades in the characters and the story to to get all the PTSD backstory, which is good. But man. If he didn't have that and he still went rogue, I feel yeah. like it I feel like it's almost more intense that way. Like it's a great captain who is making a decision that he thinks is right for no other reason than that. Yeah, I mean, I I th- the the episode is called The Wounded and I think that it's sort of about the damage that's been done to O'Brien and Maxwell and some of the other characters. I mean, some of the Cardassians I think are are sort of damaged as well but i you have a point that it would have been an interesting i don't know i mean maybe we'll get that episode also they can if if we can retroactively have a a long bloody conflict that we've never heard of be written into the into the universe like this like what's stopping them from having that episode also yeah yeah that's true we're playing the long game here this is this is sort of like the klingon storyline that was mm-hmm. introduced uh, last season. Like, this is a this is another thread we're throwing out into the distance that we're going to chase down. Did you like this episode, Adam? Yeah, I did. I totally did. I was. I don't know why. I you thought had a pained so, look on your face for a second there. I don't know why I had to think so long about it. I think. I think because. 
because the frame around the episode was O'Brien and Keiko, and that was so weak. It's it's like yeah. taking a great painting and putting it in a shit frame. <laughs> like the the main the the A story here, I thought was first rate. I totally yeah. dug it. I'm I'm a little confused about how much Keiko and O'Brien we've been getting the last two episodes, as if they are main characters, which I'm almost positive they are not. You know? Yeah. I mean, they we're we're spending time with them that used to go to Commander Riker, and right, and he's been a Troy total no show. I don't even think yeah. Jordy was in this episode, was he? I think he like I I heard him on on radio. I don't remember if we even see him. Yeah. Yeah. So it it feels like a real inflection point in the series that like last episode wasn't a fluke. Like we're really we're really gonna <laughs> do this O'Brien thing, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> and this also yeah. reads to me as like, this is when the whole show changed. This is when the whole, this is when Star Trek changed for me, I feel like, because mm-hmm. we're now, we're doubling down on character and away from, uh, from whatever shoot 'em ups and conflict that we used to get. Like the A story on this episode was the conflict, but we're we're working on character doubly from here on out i think both yeah. on this show and on the on the other star trek series that follow do you think that this was do, do you think that this anticipated deep space 9 do you think that they know that they're getting another series at this point and they're like let's set this character up to be like more interesting so that we can pass the hat to him when uh, the time comes. I'm so rarely interested in doing any research for this show, but that is something <laughs> that I am interested in chasing down is like the behind the show production stuff about like, you know, Kalamini better be on board for this because all of a sudden we we're throwing him phone books of, of scripts like yeah. that he's got to read now. Like how, how far ahead of this does he know he's going to be, you know, a featured player versus a real cast member. Like, do yeah. do we know at this point that we're going to write another series? At what point does pre-production on that show begin? I mean, yeah. that is still, that's still like four years away, right? It's no, a, I think that, I think that might start in season four. Man, I don't know. I don't remember exactly when, but I think it's, I think it's not as far away as, Maybe it starts in season five, but... Uh, well, if that's the case, then it would make sense that they would write him... They'd punch him up a little bit before sending yeah. him to another series. Yeah. Well, I mean, they change a lot about him in Deep Space Nine, too. Like, they make him, like, an enlisted uh, enlisted man and not an officer. Like, he's a lieutenant, right, in this? But in Deep Space Nine, he has no... He's, he's, he's like... A, He's an infantryman, essentially. Boy, O'Brien really gets his revenge on Keiko. Like, she goes from an arboretum to a fucking flower shop on the promenade. Like, <laughs> like all of a sudden, he's eating a potato corned beef breakfast, and, and she's working at a flower shop. Like, he really leveraged that move back in yeah. his favor. Seriously. Hey, do you want to check our messages, Ben? Yeah, let's, let's see if... Uh... Let's see what's going on on the old uh, message machine. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. 
By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Captain Ryan, and it is to Chief Engineer Alarcon and Ensign O'Reilly. It goes like this <laughs> to my intrepid crew. Although I have transferred command to a lesser captain, it is not a reflection on you. I look forward to serving you again in the future, even though I was clearly the most likely to be voted drunk Shimoda on a daily basis. <laughs> P.S. Nemesis is greater than Star Trek V. I would agree with that. I mean, Nemesis isn't good. <laughs> I might prefer Star Trek V. Really? Yeah. Wow. I might just. I think Star Trek V probably is the one that I enjoy the least on an ongoing basis. This is another one where I don't know whether we're talking about people in the future or time travelers or like a D&D group or something in between. <laughs> I think what we're missing in the form is like the, uh, I mean, we have a to and from field, but we really need a what is this actually about field. <laughs> That'd be really helpful. Yeah. Although I do really enjoy having ones that I'm a little bit mystified by. <laughs> I think we're mostly mystified by these. Yeah. Yeah, generally speaking, yes. So we have one more today from Tom Reagan, Regan and Clayton Cowles. Their arms open. And it is for Sarah Arnold, her birthday approaching. <laughs> Temba, his arms wide. Sarah at D Street. Mr. President at Madison Square Garden. Shokath, his eyes uncovered. Sarah, discovering Picasby. Picard and Wesley in a gimp suit. <laughs> Sarah and Ivan in his. Shimoda, his isolinear chips stacked. Tom and Clayton writing this message. <laughs> I get it. I they get speak it too. in metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like their whole way of communicating is based around metaphor, Adam. This isn't a charade at all. <laughs> uh, we, we talked at some point very early on about trying to do a, a uh, Darmok episode that was all that and. Just reading that makes me realize how difficult that would be. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Way more fun than the clip show, I think. <laughs> oh, man. Darmok, it's coming. Sarah, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sarah. Or Sarah. Again, we were not given phonetic pronunciations yeah. on these names. Yeah, it could be. It's the Kirsten oh. Kirsten problem. Yeah. And we were dead wrong on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they followed up. So uh, if we've d gotten this one wrong. Let us know. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who left a Priority One message today. If you would like to do a Priority One message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal, 200 for a commercial. He keeps the lights on around here. Lights are on. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. 
Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, um, I was going to try and like change it at the last minute because you sort of stepped on it. But I... Drunk Shimoda was definitely O'Brien's career trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love, uh, so I guess it's just O'Brien. Like, I love that, like, I love that we have just found out that he was, like, a warrior and was the tactical chief of a starship and, like, has done, like, hand-to-hand murder. Because, <laughs> like, like I, I just think of the John Adams cartoon, Chief O'Brien at Work, when I think of chief o'brien you know i just think of him as like a totally even keeled like boring man that stands in a room by himself all the time (laughs) and and thinking of him as this like wharf guy is just madness (laughs) yeah and 
it's been long enough ago that I haven't really that I'm I'm not clear on how this plays out. But man, it would be fun to sprinkle that in every once in a while, like O'Brien's rage, <laughs> <laughs> because he is he's just like a tub of mashed potatoes to me. Like he's just he's cuddly and yeah. and innocent, and this dark side of him. It's one thing to say it and have him describe it. It's quite another thing to to have him like fully demonstrate the PTSD that he's describing. So maybe we'll get a little Absolutely. bit of that. Uh, who's your Shimoda? My Shimoda is going to be given to Commander Riker, who had so little to do in this episode, but there's one scene that I thought was, that just made me laugh. So O'Brien's on the bridge. He's been brought there uh He's been brought there to sort of talk Picard through the Maxwell incident. Yeah. And O'Brien's O'Brien discloses his the magic that you can do with a transporter. And he's he's going through all this techno jargon. <laughs> they do a two shot of Picard and Riker at like thirty seven minutes and thirty seconds. And all Riker does is stare at Picard in a Oh really? Are you fucking serious? kind of way like he his face is like stone and they hold it like they cut they do a cut back and forth between o'brien and the two shot between Riker and picard and Riker just stares at picard (laughs) in a you're not really gonna let him do this kind of look right shut up is in close your mouth and (laughs) stop talking (laughs) it's just a strange expression to me and uh, it seemed incongruent with the rest of what was happening. That was the only real outlier to me that was Shimoda-worthy. That is what Shimoda is for, Adam. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. That's, it feels like kind of a flimsy Shimoda bin. But that's, no, that's all it was I good. Have. It was good. Somebody actually like kind of ripped into me a while back about my Shimoda's not being as good as yours. So uh, Really? Who would do feel- that? I don't know, man. It's just some guy. He was like, He's like, get better Shimodas. Your Shimodas are no good. Well, I really, uh, I really let that guy down. That's yeah, what I did with that one. He's your biggest fan, and now, now I am the captain. Well, maybe I'll have a better Shimoda on the next episode. What are we watching next time, Ben? The next episode is season four, episode thirteen, "Devils Do." Picard fights to save a terrorized planet from a powerful woman who claims to be the devil. Do you remember that, Adam? We've uh, talked about this one a little bit. Yeah, only in the context of us just talking about it because we opened a card that had it. Yeah. Um, well, we don't have any way to veto it, so... That's not the one with Fomka, though, is it? I'm confusing. No, that. no, no. Okay. The lady lo- does look a little Fomka-ish, but uh, she's she's no Fomka. She's Fomkesque. Fomkesque. <laughs> That's linguistically difficult to pull off. Yeah. I'm not going to even try to say it another time. Well, uh, we're going to watch it. Sorry. <laughs> if uh, if you have an issue with that or want to support the ongoing production of our show, uh, you can either contribute or withdraw support of our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yeah. Where you can get yourself uh, connected to a plan, a plan that supports us. Month to month, even. Which is is probably the best way to do it. You can also 
do a one-time t-shirt purchase. I don't know why someone would buy multiple shirts, but you could, you could, you could buy a whole bundle if you want. Yeah, buy a t-shirt every month. Yeah. You know what? You can do that thing that I did in Victorville where you just buy underwear and then throw them away. Buy, buy t-shirts, wear them once, and then <laughs> donate them. Yeah, I like that. Um, if, uh, if you want to... Let's see. If you want to uh, communicate with us online, probably the best place to do that is Twitter by using the hashtag GreatestGen. There's also a Facebook page, a subreddit, and there's now a podcast wiki. Uh, some of our viewers have been collaborating on a, uh, a wikia page. It's greatestgen.wikia.com, and uh, it's great. Like They're going through and they're making pages of like running jokes and re- repeat segments and stuff and uh you've got little uh little bios for each one of us um it's really cool i, I feel like a, a good a good uh a good i haven't read my bio ben is that is that gonna be a mistake i don't know i think maybe yours just links to like your twitter account or something right. mine, mine they asked me to fill in uh, and I obliged them. So. Oh boy! Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a, I think a great resource for anybody who's like listening to this and is like, I, this seems like something I would like, but I don't understand any of the jokes. Uh, and doesn't want to go back through the last eighty-four episodes to get caught up. Uh, go check this out. It's like a foreign it's, language phrasebook. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. We should thank Dark Materia and Adam Ragusia for our music. And uh, if you want to email us, it's drunkshimoda at gmail.com. If history is any clue, uh, we'll respond to those emails within two to four weeks. <laughs> yeah. We get a lot of them, so it does take a little while to, uh, to slog through them. But yeah. every so often, one of us will sit down and just, like, peel off, like, 28 replies. <laughs> You like check your your personal account and like, you know, we get CC'd on them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, what the fuck is happening? Oh, Adam just replied to a million emails. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm definitely not on the toilet when I do that. <laughs> well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation and an evil episode of The Greatest Generation. Evil. Like the devil. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.